Welcome to Memorizing Scripture. My name is Gordon, and this week we are learning 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So let's go ahead and read it again. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, so yesterday we talked a little bit about the context in this week's first podcast, and I'm trying something new this week, and we're going to talk about the character of Scripture. And a lot of this material I got from Systematic Theology by Wayne Gruden, and if you want to read more about it, there's plenty in there. And so I'm going to cover a lot of what he covers, and I just thought it was really interesting as I was researching this this week. I wanted to go in this direction versus kind of the way I've been going the past weeks, just because I thought it was really powerful. And um, as I was researching, I was like, man, this is this is something that whoever's listening to this might want to know. And so we're going to first talk about the authority of Scripture, but the different characters we're going to cover are the authority of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture, the necessity of Scripture, and the sufficiency of Scripture. And so as we start first with the th- authority of Scripture, we ask the main question is, how do we know that the Bible is from God? With our memory verse, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God. And so how do we, how do we actually know that? And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And then we'll follow the, the rest of the characteristics the rest of the week. So the first thing we need to do is look at the Bible, specifically the Old Testament. And when we see a lot of verses in the Old Testament, there are passages that start with the Lord says, or thus says the Lord. And it's a clear phrase that when a king would speak, it would thus says the king, you know, it'd be an edict to the king's subjects. And so when prophets used this phrase, they were claiming to relay a direct message from God. They were claiming that whatever they were saying was the word of God. Otherwise, they would be a, f- a false prophet. And so um, <clears throat> in addition, there are parts of the Old Testament where God spoke through a prophet as well. So, for example, in Jeremiah 37, 2, it says, But neither he, uh, King Zedekiah, who Nebuchadnezzar made king over Judah, nor his servants, nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. And so we know that the Lord speaks through prophets, and it's not always as clear as thus says the Lord, but it we, we see that in scripture that the Lord spoke through Jeremiah and Isaiah and, and many prophets. And so right away, we know that the main character of the entire Bible is God. He is speaking to us. He speaks throughout to us throughout the old, all the Old Testament. And now this doesn't encompass every single word as far as like, this is what God says, this is what God says. But you'll find that all scripture is the Greek word, I think it's graphe, is referring to the entire Old Testament. So going back to our memory verse in the Greek, that's what that word says. And and the how we know that refers to the entire Old Testament is that when that word is used in the New Testament, it's used throughout the New Testament 51 times. And every single time that it's used, those 51 times, it's referring to the Old Testament. So Paul is affirming here that the Old Testament is breathed out by God. And so in addition, we see Peter writes in 2 Peter first. Second uh, Peter one twenty one that for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Again, the word of God is breathed out by God and written down by man by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so we've quickly quickly established that the entire Old Testament is God's word. But where does that leave the New Testament? Well, 
Paul also writes in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And also Peter writes in 2 Peter 3.16, as he, or Paul, he's referring to Paul, as Paul does in all of his letters, when he speaks in them, none of, uh, when he speaks in them of these matters, talking about what Paul writes, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So he is paralleling what Paul is writing to other scriptures. And so in short, in these writings, we classify that all of scripture is from God. God's used men to write down his word for us to rely on for the truth of life. And there are many false teaching and false writings in the world, but the Bible is the truth of God. Now, this, a side note you may be thinking this entire time is this is circular reasoning. The Bible is claiming itself to be the word of God. But you'll notice among what we just covered, <clears throat> there aren't any errors in what the Bible talks about. The Bible speaks to truth. And when the Bible speaks to truth and other things such as history or biology or astronomy or geology or archaeology, it's fully accurate. It's 100% true. And so this leads us to our other point of the authority of Scripture is the inerrancy of Scripture. Are there any errors in the Bible? Because if there are errors, then it can't be an authoritative uh, work. So one of the first things that we must consider that if God is speaking in the entire Bible, we must consider what it, what all, what it says about him. It says, more specifically, that God cannot lie. He speaks the truth. And so in Titus 1, 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages begin. So Paul is saying, which God, who never lies, simply put that the God doesn't lie, the Bible doesn't lie. However, I must point out that because we know that there's no errors and God speaks the full truth, God doesn't speak on every single detail of every subject. So what the Bible does speak on is 100% true and 100% accurate. However, the focus we have on the Bible is truth. When we, when we look at the Bible, what we must focus on is the truth and the truth that the statements the Bible makes. And so there might be times where it doesn't seem uh, or it seems confusing maybe. And so let me give you a couple examples of, of what the Bible speaks on as far as truth and accuracy. So here's a statement four different ways. If I say to you, I don't live far or I don't live far away. That's true. Or I say, I live over a mile away. That's true. Or I say, I live about one mile away. That's true. Or I live about 1.24 miles away. All things here are accurate and all things, um, and nothing makes this statement untrue. So a groups of people in the Bible would be another example. So last uh, two weeks ago, we mentioned or was it last week? Yeah, last week, uh, God uh, killed 23,000 people in one day. Or another example of a group of people in the Bible would Jesus fed 5,000. And there really may have been 22,897 people and that God killed, or maybe there was 4,892 people that Jesus fed. But the truth of the statement is there. It's not an accurate. This is how we speak. When we say it was about 5,000 or 5,000 people came to this concert, we know that we don't know the exact number, but there is truth in that. Now, if Jesus fed 
30,000 people and we say 5,000, that's pretty inaccurate. So, and there's other ways to go in, like when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament and, and there might be things pulled or combined, or there's like grammatical constructions that are difficult to understand, but nonetheless true. Um, there's other areas like that. But what I want us to, to focus on, at least on this podcast, is that as Christians, it wouldn't make any sense to claim to follow Jesus, but also say that the Bible is inerrant. Because what are we doing then if we're saying we're going to follow this word, and we're going to follow this person in this word, but we don't believe necessarily that this entire word is true. And so the first thing to think about here is if we believe the word of God is authoritative and it's from God and we strive to live by the word and the principles, we must imitate God. We must imitate Jesus. And if we're imitating a lying God, that doesn't make sense. And the second point to that is very similar where trusting God with our lives would be pointless too. So if we're going to imitate what the Bible says, but the Bible is inerrant, then God's lying. And if we're going to live our lives throughout the week, and we're going to trust God with our lives, but we think he's lying, that's that's pointless. That's That doesn't make any sense. In addition to that, our third point here is if, if we think that God's word is false or inerrant, then we are putting our minds above him. We think we know what's right. We think we know what's better. We're not trusting him, much like our example with Israel last week. And lastly, if we focus on the details, if we say that the Bible is wrong, some of those smaller details, let's say, then we can apply the same logic to major doctrines. If Because it's all part of the same work. It's, it's God's revelation to everyone. For example, like how we earn salvation or not earn salvation and the grace God gives us or ways to get to heaven. Are there multiple ways to get to heaven? Some of the, some of the small details can apply to those bigger salvation issues. But of course we know that these things are, are wrong. God's word is not inerrant. We want to imitate Jesus. We want to trust an unknowing and loving God. We want his, we know his ways are better than ours. And we know that the major doctrines are solid and they can't be altered. And without that, our, our faith would crumble and Christianity probably wouldn't last very long. And so I want to encourage you guys as, as we learn the different characteristics of scripture, again, you can go to study this probably in a lot of different places and a lot of different commentaries, but we're going to learn the four characteristics of Scripture, and today we learned about the authority of Scripture, that God's Word is inerrant, God's Word is God's Word, he, he said it is, and a little bit of this, you know, has to do with, with our faith, too. We know that God's Word's authoritative because of how it works in our life and our faith and our commitment to Christ. You know, there are many, many smart people out there who study the word of God or, or try to make sense of it, but don't actually follow God or believe God. And, you know, they're, they're not going to say that it's authoritative because they're trying to find errors. They won't find any, but they're trying to. So I hope that encourages you this week that the word of God is authoritative. It is inerrant. And again, that goes with our scripture, that it is all scripture is God breathed. It's breathed out by God. So continue to repeat our memory verse this week, use note cards, put it in places that you frequent, rep recite it to yourself. The point again is repeat, repeat, repetition. That helps us memorize things better. Uh, find a person this week you're going to recite it to. And if you want to contact me, you can contact me at ideamailbag at gmail.com. That's ideamailbag at gmail.com. 
Remember to like, subscribe, comment, rate, or review on the medium that you follow this podcast. Anything would be helpful as we try to get the word out there. And so we're going to go ahead and recite our memory verse one more time. So here we go. And I will say each line twice so that way you can get involved by saying the second line. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, equipped for every good work. All right, terrific job. Keep up the good work. And until next time, continue to put on the mind of Christ. <laughs>